Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Michael Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, the MLB, NBA, and of course, your signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here on the first triple-digit episode, episode 100. Fun fact, even though the Twins didn't win a playoff game this year, five former Twins pitchers ended the series on the mound for their respective team. That's a fun fact. I mean, that's only a fun fact if you're not a Twins fan. Yeah, five former Twins pitchers, Liam Hendricks for Oakland, Bruce Stargraderall for the Dodgers, Ryan Presley for the Astros, Brandon Kinsler for the Marlins, and Nick Anderson for the Rays all ended their playoff series on the mound. That's that's kind of sad if you're a Twins. That, that's kind of sad. You, you can't win a game and they'll, uh, and five former pitchers end series wins on the mound. Anyway, I digress. We'll talk more about baseball later. But first, we'll talk about some Cyclone football. And wow, do we have some Cyclone football to talk about this week. The Cyclones came, well, I guess they didn't come. Oklahoma came to Ames, and the Cyclones beat them in Ames for the first time since 1960 to move to 2-0 in the conference, and it was just a great game. And Kyle will fill us in on some more of those details. Uh, yeah, so it was honestly an all-around great performance uh, by the Cyclones, obviously. So I just want to throw this out there. The black uniforms are undefeated. They are currently 4-0. Uh, so we bring them out for big ball games, including this one. Uh, the stars showed up. I'm Brock Purdy was 12 of 24, which isn't dazzling at a 50% completion percentage, but he did throw for 254 and had one touchdown. He did fumble once um, on the game which uh, was a, actually a pretty big point. Um, yeah, but it was – he got hit as he thrown yeah. from the blind side. That's not a fumble I really the, – So the, the one point or the one, I would say, bad point for the Cyclones this entire uh, game was the lack of consistency among the offensive line. Uh, who, who is it that we were missing? Tra- or uh, Downing? Downing, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt because they were playing without their best offensive linemen. Still, exactly, and got hurt against Louisiana. the the problem The problem is though, it wasn't just Downing's backup that was playing poorly. The majority of the entire offensive line played poorly throughout the entire game, but somehow they still managed to run block fantastically because Brees Hall went off again. Uh, he is one of the only a handful, if not maybe only three, I don't know, Mike, you might be able to check me on this, uh, running backs who have over 100 rushing yards in their first three games of the season. Uh, so Brees Hall had 28 rushing attempts, 139 yards. Uh, he averaged five yards per carry and had uh, three targets as well as two touchdowns in this game. Brees Hall is an absolute force for this offense going forward and he is the stud uh that has been the replacement for David Montgomery and what a replacement he has been uh I think the defense played really really well uh like 
for as many yards as they actually ended up giving up to Spencer Rattler. They came up with big plays when they needed to. Needed to. Uh, Spencer Rattler did throw for 300 yards uh, in the game, but he did have one interception at the end of the game, which was crucial, that pretty much uh, sealed the game for the Cyclones. And on defense, uh, as a team, uh, Mike Rose played fantastic. Uh, Young had the interception that sealed it, and they only had two sacks on the game, uh, but they're playing against an offensive line that is pretty much an NFL-caliber offensive line compared to TCU's last week, so... I'd say two sacks on the game was uh, pretty impressive for this game, only rushing three primarily. Right. Uh, and you kept Spencer Rattler from hurting you with his legs for the most part, right? He did have some rushes, but he didn't have a great rushing game, which is big against so. – I, I was honestly surprised that he didn't run more, in my opinion. Uh, he had nine rushing attempts for 20 yards, uh, and his long was a 13-yard scamper in which he slid – uh, down that was actually a pretty good run by him um, but I'm surprised he didn't run more if you think about the quarterbacks that OU has had in the past uh, past two years that Iowa State has had trouble with that being Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts both players hurt the Cyclones more with their legs which led to bigger plays with their arm and this year Mike I don't know about you but Oklahoma is not as much of a a big play team. They had a lot of long methodical drives in this game, which I thought played more into the hands of the Cyclone. I mean, agreed, right? That's what this Cyclone defense is made for with this 3-5-3 scheme that they run, right? It's don't give up. 3-3-5, not 3-5-3? No, they run a 3-5-3. 3-5-3? Yes. Granted, right, because they bring so many safeties and cornerbacks up into the box, right? That's true. That's true. Not five true linebackers, but it's always lined up as a 3-5-3. And with Eisworth, Eisworth's tackling ability basically makes him a linebacker. Right, exactly. Right? That defense is designed for big play – to prevent big plays. And if they do that, they're going to – they're going to win more games than they lose, right? If you prevent big plays, because the defense is so good in the red zone too, that they're good at holding some teams to field goals um, instead of touchdowns, which with Brock Purdy and the offense clicking is good enough. A bend don't break defense is good enough for the Cyclones team. And as long as this defense can prevent the big plays like they did against Oklahoma, they're in good shape. Um, The one thing that I was concerned about, and I think Matt Campbell was as well, was the penalties. Um, Iowa State took too many penalties in this game. They had some bad ones on offense, down in the red zone especially, um, that, yeah, that cost them some drives, some potential points. So the, just for reference, Iowa State uh, was flagged nine times for 90 yards. The good news was Oklahoma was flagged nine times for 93 yards. So at least that was an even ball game, but – there are too many penalties, uh, especially for a Matt Campbell-led team. The other thing that is slightly concerning, although when you actually watch the game in its entirety, uh, it, it was really hard to stop them in these instances. Oklahoma was 3-of-3 three three on fourth down. Um, that is one thing moving forward as a football team as, for your defense. You kind of need to get off the field on fourth down. Um, a lot of those fourth downs were fourth and one, though, which are super easy conversions, especially for a Lincoln-Riley schemed offense. Uh, 
But the other uh, surprising stat that I just saw is OU was four of 13 on third down. That just plays into the, like, what I brought up about great scheme for defense is that Iowa State kept a lot of things in front of them on third down and got to fourth down or got them off the field uh, when they needed to and got the ball back to the offense. Uh, Iowa State, on the other hand, was 6 of 10 on third down. And really one of the plays that we haven't talked about was the Kene Nwongu kickoff return. Was it kickoff yeah. return or punt return? Kickoff Kick return, return. Right. Yeah. yeah. That changed momentum in this game. Oklahoma had just scored a touch, uh, just scored a, to go up seven. Um, and Kenny Nwangu takes the kick return back 85 yards to put the Cyclones in the red zone, which quickly turns into a touchdown thanks to some great running by Brees Hall um, to tie up that game. That changed momentum in this game. From that kick return on, I knew the Cyclones, or I had a belief the Cyclones were going to win that game because the momentum turned with the fans actually in Jack Trice Stadium this week um, made a big difference. And Jamie Pollard put out a letter um, saying that adherence to COVID policies was pretty good um, at Jack Trice Stadium, um, at least compared to other schools. I see why it's making a face that he maybe disagrees with that, having but, been there. But Yeah, the student section was not... Not very good. The rest of the fans seemed pretty good, but the student section was not abiding by uh, COVID social distancing norms. Yeah, but in general, it was good. So we, there will be fans um, next week as well, Jamie Pollard announced today. So good on the fans at Iowa State for making a difference and for the most part um, following the rules and the no tailgating rules too. It sounds like it went well. ISU police did not issue many warnings for tailgating. At um, least... At least Iowa State did better than the SMU student section who yeah, over the weekend was kicked out before halftime for not abiding by uh, COVID rules and policies. So at least we didn't make the news this week for something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that Nuangu kick return was definitely game changing. Um, good on him, right? Because Right, his kick returns have always been explosive, but he hasn't always had the opportunity. Right, Iowa State has always been very conservative on special teams under Matt Campbell, going with a lot of touchbacks on kick returns, which has its pros and cons. Right, it's the safe play, but having somebody like Nuangu who can go make that play in a big moment is is awesome. Right, that was yeah, that was just awesome from Nuangu to be able to do that. So. Good on him. Um, so moving on to next week, um, the Cyclones next week um, play Texas Tech. To, um, it'll be 2.30 kickoff at Jack Trice Stadium on ABC. The Cyclones opened as 12 and a half point favorites in that game. Um, your number 24 Cyclones, by the way, they moved up to number 24 in the AP poll that came out this week. Um, ESPN's FPI gives Iowa State a 70, uh, about a 75% chance to win that football game. Um, so, and Texas Tech is 0-2 in conference. This is a game you got to win um, if you're going to stay up top in this conference. Um, Texas Tech's defense is really bad. I mean, Texas put up 50-some points on them, if not more. Um, and K-State beat them last week as well. So this is a game you got to win if you want to compete in the Big 12. And speaking of that, the Big 12 has never been this wide open for the taking. Like, 
raise your hand if you predicted that the three under or the three undefeated teams um, two weeks into conference play would be Oklahoma State. Okay, yeah, I would have guessed that one. Uh, K State and Iowa State. Uh, no, seeing as K State and Iowa State both had to play Oklahoma um, in their first two weeks, I would not have picked both of them to be undefeated. You know, because that means that Oklahoma hasn't won a conference game yet. That's fun. That's a fun fact. Um, yeah, the Big 12 has never been this wide open. Um, it's there for Iowa State to take. I mean, you get K-State, right? If you assume Oklahoma State is now the best team in the conference, right? K-State, you get at home, right? So you have the opportunity to beat K-State because you're going to get that game at home, right? A, the Cyclones have to have a decent shot at a Big 12 championship game appearance, right? And that would be awesome, right? That would be, yeah. You got to start thinking about it now. I know we sort of wrote it off after that loss to Louisiana, but after this win to Oklahoma and seeing them having already lost twice and Texas lost once this week um, when they lost to TCU, this conference is open. Also, the fact that the Cyclones have already played TCU is going to be a big advantage. TCU is going to cause some teams some trouble with Dugan back at quarterback. So it's good that they got that out of the way and got that W. It's, the Cyclones so, Big 12 championship game. So first thing, it's Duggan. Second thing, Duggan. the the Big 12 conference can also get uh, – can uh, the top can pull away even further this weekend because the Red River rivalry, say that three times fast, is this weekend. So o- o- Oklahoma – wow. I can say that, but I can't say Oklahoma. OU and Texas uh, face off this weekend, Texas being 1-1, one and one, Oklahoma being 0-2. Oh I, have, I have a feeling that Oklahoma probably will not lose that game, dropping both teams to 1-2 and two in conference play, widening that gap at the top even more. This is a must-win for the Cyclones early on in this season. Uh, stretch their legs a little bit and put some distance between uh, those two teams. Yeah. It'll be another big week in the Big 12, right? What they've proven is anything can happen. But what we know for sure is um, either Oklahoma's going to have three conference losses or both Oklahoma and Texas are going to have two when this week is over. So, like, yeah, that, that's what we know. And, yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be fun. This, it's going to be fun. The Cyclones have a legit shot at the conference championship game. So let's do it. Let's do it. We'll keep you informed on how that progresses on next week's episode. But um, for now, we'll move on to the NFL, where for, for, for a few hours there, I thought the NFL season was unraveling in front of our eyes. Um, we definitely had some COVID concerns this week. So we talked to you last week about the Titans um, outbreak that they had after playing the Vikings last week um, in week three. Right? Yeah, that was weak. Um, uh, that outbreak only worsened. In the end, it turned out to be, I believe it was 18, maybe 19 total positives in the Titans organization between players and staff. Um, as, but- of, as of Monday, October 5th, they finally had their first day of uh, no new cases in testing. Mm-hmm. But so the they're fact- getting a little bit closer to opening the doors of their uh, practice facilities. And- yep. 
but the fact that their outbreak continued uh, meant that their uh, game with the Steelers was moved back to week eight, correct? Uh, week seven. And then Pittsburgh and Baltimore was pushed from week seven to week eight to accommodate the schedule changes. Um, so there was that. And then we also had on Saturday morning, we had Cam Newton um, testing positive for COVID as well as a member of the Chiefs practice squad. Who just so who just so happened to be the scout team quarterback, uh, mimicking Cam Newton in uh, practice all week. So a little ironic. Cam Newton to the T. Um, so there's concerns um, that those were going to turn into outbreaks, and if you've got three outbreaks, right, could the season be unraveling? Anyway, there were no additional positives on the Chiefs either. Sun or Chiefs or Patriots Sunday or Monday. That game is being made up as a double Monday night football doubleheader here. Um, so after the scare, it looks like the season is not unraveling in front of us and the season will continue, um, which is good news. Um, so week four happened with the um, exception of that one postponed game we just talked about. Um, and the Vikings again jumped out to a lead and again they tried to blow it. But they couldn't do it. Uh, Houston ended up coming up short on fourth down, down by eight late in the game. Um, so the Vikings knocked off the Texans to go to one and three on the year. Um, the offense continues to impress. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson all had 100-yard games again this week. Um, so that was very good. Justin Jefferson is continuing to prove he is everything that Laquan Treadwell wasn't. Um, so these rookie wide receivers in general are just having awesome seasons so far. CD lamb had a great game for Dallas. Um, Jerry Judy had a touchdown. Who is that guy for, uh, was that for San Francisco who leaped over clean over a Philadelphia defender? Ayuk. Ayuk. He's the next Debo Samuel for that team. So they got two of them there. Yeah. He played an incredible game. These rookie wide receivers are good. Um, What's really not good is the entire Houston Texans organization. Um, they fell to 0-4 with that loss to the Vikings. And, I mean, that's bad, especially when you have Deshaun Watson in his prime. But what's worse is not only are they 0-4, but they're 0-4 and owe their first and second-round picks to the Miami Dolphins. Um, that's back from the uh, Tunsil and Stills trade last season. And on top of that, the Houston Texans are spending the most cash in the out of all 32 NFL teams with 255 million dollars on the books this season. Yeah. So they're spending the most and they ain't winning. Something something's wrong. Yeah. Well, and they tried to correct part of that by firing their coach and GM Bill O'Brien got fired uh, on Monday afternoon. So he might they have already all- caused a decades worth of harm to that organization though. So you probably should have traded him or fired him before he made these last two off-seasons ruined your organization. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't fire him after they blew the 24-point lead to the Chiefs in the playoffs. But, hey, maybe if they fired him then, they'd still have the NFL's leading receiver on their team. Yeah, that's true. But they don't. Um, and Kyle will fill us in on some of the other things that happened throughout week four of the NFL. Yeah, so uh, week four in the NFL was – a high scoring week as there were 30 30 plus point games across the board 
uh, in the NFL. This just goes to show that the offenses are about 15 steps ahead of defenses so far this season uh, in the COVID season. Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills uh, improved to 4-0 and as Josh Allen ends up throwing for uh, almost 300 yards again with two passing touchdowns. Uh, he's looking very, very good for that team. Joe Burrow got his first NFL uh, win, and after the game, he tweeted that winning is fun. Yes, Joe Burrow, winning is fun. You are 1-2-1 and one on the season. Joe Mixon carried the load for that team, uh, 25, uh, rushing, or 25 rushing attempts, 151 on the ground, uh, as well as three touchdowns on the day. Tom Brady throws for five touchdowns for the first time since 2017. He almost got out-dueled by the kid uh, from Los Angeles, uh, Justin Herbert. But one of them was to the wrong team. That is true. He does have a history of throwing a lot of pick sixes recently. But, hey. The last six weeks. Hey, he threw five touchdowns to his team and got the win. But Justin Herbert looked great again, uh, except for throwing a pretty costly interception late in the game. The Cowboys look bad. Like, their offense can score points. Dak Prescott throws for 500 yards on the day. But Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr. had three touchdowns on the day, one rushing, two receiving, uh, one of them from Jarvis Landry, which was a really cool play. Uh, one of the wackiest uh, extra point plays that I've ever seen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. Extra point try for the uh, Browns blocked and then recovered in the end zone by the Browns for, uh, but the Cowboys look horrible on defense. I, there, there have been people talking about why did they draft CD lamb, by the way, fantastic game, but they have holes on the defense that they need to address and they're not looking good. Uh, somehow the Eagles have found a way to fly their way to first in the NFC East by a half a game. Everyone was, everyone was, uh, looking at that, week three tie to the Cincinnati Bengals and being like, wow, we suck. But now that week three tie has landed them in first place in the absolutely garbage NFC East. That is that division this year. Uh, The 49ers just keep losing players and bodies. And so do the Eagles too. Uh, Lots of injuries on both sides of the ball, but somehow Carson Wentz and the Eagles managed to fly home and, uh, be in first place in the East. You get it, they're flying because they're eagles yep. and eagles are birds. That's exactly why I said that. You get it? I, I, yep, I do get it. I was the one who said it. So, as I've talked about the, the eagles were flying, the MLB continues to fly into the second round, and Mike is going to talk about some playoff baseball. Yep. Um, we did fly through this wild card round. Um, that's what happens when it's best of uh, when it's best of three, and you're playing uh, all the games with no off days. It's like it only takes like three days. Who would have thunk? Um, anyway, the wild card round is over, and I just have one question to ask you and Wyatt, Kyle. Have me and all the rest of the Twins fans suffered enough yet? The Twins went out and looked lifeless against the Astros and got swept again. They've now lost 18 straight playoff games. The Twins have not won a playoff game. Not, not a series, just a game. They've not won a playoff game since I was eight. 
I don't even remember it. Have, have Twins fans suffered enough yet? I, I mean, I guess that question is very subjective. Like, I, we don't yeah, know if you've sucks. suffered enough, enough yet. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but, I mean, the Cubs didn't win a World Series for how many years? 108. There you go. But they've won playoff games in that time. Probably. I mean, yeah, not probably. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> they did not go 108 years without winning a playoff game. I would That'd stop. That'd be impressive. Playing. Yeah. It, it, this, this Twins 18-game playoff losing streak is the longest in U.S. professional sports. Um, it will probably never be broken unless the Detroit Pistons happen to get swept next time they're in the playoffs. Then they would tie the Twins at 18. Um, the Pistons have lost 14 is the only current active streak anywhere close and they've lost 14 straight. Um, so it's a streak that will probably never be broken unless of course the twins break it by losing their next playoff game. So that's what I said about 17 on, on, on Tuesday. I was like, this streak will never be broken unless the twins break it tomorrow. And then they went and broke it tomorrow. So this 18 game streak will never be broken unless the Twins break it in the next playoff game. Um, other notes around um, baseball around from that first round. The Miami Marlins, well, they were the Florida Marlins for a long time. The Marlins organization has never lost a playoff series. Um, previous to this year, they were in the playoffs two times and have two World Series. Um, and they dispatched of the Cubs um, two games to nothing in their wild card series. So they have still not lost a playoff series. We'll see how long that can continue um, going forward. Um, everyone was super hyped about the Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber pitching matchup in the playoffs. And boy, was that a stinker. The Yankees jumped all over Shane Bieber and just dominated that game. Um, and they ended up sweeping the Indians two games to nothing as well. Um, that series was not as great as it was cracked up to be. Um, the Reds and Braves had two pitchers duels. They had one game that was scoreless through 12 innings um, before the Braves finally scored to win that game one to nothing. Um, yeah, the Reds went the entire series without scoring a run. At least the Twins weren't that bad. Um, and it, the Atlanta swept the Reds two games to nothing. Um, there were only two series that actually went um, three games as the Rays um, quick swept the Blue Jays and the Dodgers swept the Brewers. The series that went three games were the A's, who ended up beating the White Sox in three games after dropping game one when, De uh, when um, Lucas Giolito pitched a gem for the White Sox. And the Padres over the Cardinals took three games as well, um, where the Padres really just pieced that together because two, their two best starters um, were out for that series. They shut out the Cardinals in one of those games while throwing nine different pitchers in a nine-inning game, in a nine-inning shutout. They just pieced and together that. They, they literally had to use all of their bullpen and almost the benches in the bullpen to get through the second game as well and beat the St. Louis Cardinals, but their, their hitters just laid it on Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, uh, Will Myers, even their catcher was lighting it up uh, in game three. The Padres had some fantastic offense and they take that into the. Yep. 
Um, and speaking of the next round, the next round um, comes underway today, Monday, um, actually, with game one, uh, the series being Houston and Oakland. Um, game one is set for Monday. Same with the Rays-Yankees game one also being played Monday. The NL Division Series start on Tuesday. You have the Miami Marlins uh, matching up against the Atlanta Braves and the San Diego Padres matching up against the Dodgers. Um, those, those series both start on Tuesday. Remember, those series will be played five straight five games, well, up to five games with no off day. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, also, just one commentary on the wild card. I hope this is what Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball wanted when they get the expanded playoffs, right? You had three of the six teams that would not have made the playoffs advancing in Houston, New York, and Miami. Under regular playoffs, those three teams would not have even made the playoffs. You had the best divisions in baseball, the AL and NL Central, right, who combined to get seven postseason teams in combined to lose all seven series, right? So they don't even advance. I hope that's what Rob Manfred wanted, is his best teams out of the playoffs in the first round, because that's what he got, right? This is, these playoffs, I, again, I'm f- fine with them for this year. They are what they are. I'm not going to get super upset about them this year. But if this continues going forward, you're going to continue to see this. But instead of, you know, the Yankees who are maybe only – you know, two games worse than the White Sox, who they would have, um, who otherwise would have been in the playoffs. You're going to see a team that was, that was 10 to 15 games worse than the team they beat, um, beating them in the first round of the playoffs. And that's just, yeah, that's just in a two, three game series. That's just not going to be acceptable. Can't have that happening. This has to change or baseball, baseball is losing its soul if they keep these expanded playoffs. I'm not a fan, and it has to end. This has to end. You have to get rid of Rob Manfred before he can cause more damage, and you have to give me that commissionership because I will keep baseball with its soul. Mike Ludwig for baseball commissioner to keep the soul of baseball. Let's make that happen, people. Lobby your MLB owners. Get them in contact with me, and I'll give them a plan for how I'm going to be a good commissioner for Major League Baseball, unlike Rob Manfred. Um, Unlike Rob Manfred, the NBA actually does have a decent commissioner in Adam Silva, who is leading them through the end of this pandemic season. And Kyle, of course, is going to give you our NBA finals update. Yeah. So uh, as we're talking about it, the finals are still here. They're still rolling. Uh, The bubble obviously has been working. Um, Game one was absolutely dominated by the Lakers. Anthony Davis was the star of that game, putting in 34 for the Lakers. Uh, Game two was more of the same, uh, with LeBron James now being the star, putting in 33 points for the Lakers. They have the best two players uh, in this finals for either team between Anthony Davis and the aforementioned LeBron James. Uh, But then game three got interesting on Sunday night as uh, Jimmy Butler went off for a 40-point triple-double in order to uh, bring this series a little bit closer and get Miami their first win. Uh, Jimmy Butler, like I said, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, was the star of the show for the Heat. 
uh, as Tyler Hero also dropped in another 17. Uh, so this Miami Heat team has some life. Uh, LeBron James was seen walking off the court with 10 seconds left in the game, just left the court. Uh, that's how he felt about their performance in game three. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back with a vengeance in game four. Uh, game four of this series is set to take place on October 6th, uh, so Tuesday night. Um, so we will see if the Lakers take jump out to a 3-1 lead or if the Heat can tie it up two games apiece. Uh, more on that and possibly discussion of the NBA champion on next week's episode. Moving forward into our signature segments, um, I have to admit something. I lied to y'all last week. Um, last week, I told you that um, last week would be our last weekly turtle tab. It is not our last weekly turtle tab. Um, in a gigantic surprise, even to me, um, Willens Astadio did make the Twins postseason roster. Um, when it came out, um, I was super shocked to see his name on the roster. I was super excited. Well, I wasn't excited that his name came at the expense of Josh Donaldson. Presumably, if Donaldson was healthy, he wouldn't have made it. But um, super excited to see his name on the roster. He did make it into one game. He made a pinch-hitting appearance in game one. By the way, in game one, the Twins played all four. They had four catchers on the playoff roster and played all four of them. I don't know if that had ever happened before in Major League Baseball, a team playing all four catchers. Um, but that was, uh, that was something uh, exciting. Um, he did make a pinch-hitting appearance in the ninth. Um, unfortunately, it was not very successful. In fact, it was about the worst possible outcome. Down by three runs with uh, runners on first and second and one out, uh, he grounded into a 5-5-3 double play to, uh, to end, the, uh, end the game. Uh, he did not make an appearance in game two, so he officially ended the postseason 0-1 with one uh, double play. Um, that was it. And this will be our last weekly turtle tab because now we know he won't appear in any more games because there's no more twins game, but the weekly turtle tab will of course return next season. Um, I see Kyle is pumping his fists in the air cause he's so excited about our weekly turtle tab as always. Um, our weekly turtle tab will return in 130 days when spring training opens up for the twins next year. 130 days till spring training. And moving right along into Mike's stupid rules, we're going to clear up something that came up um, in the Cyclones game on Saturday. So there was a offsides called on the Cyclones during a kickoff. Um, and it was a kickoff where we had tackled Oklahoma at about the 15-yard line, right? So that kickoff... That kickoff is a uh, five or the offsides on a kickoff is a five yard penalty, just like it would um, the other times. Now, the interesting thing about penalties on kickoffs and on kickoffs, if they happen, um, if the penalty happens before the kick is made, right? So since that offside happened before the kick, right? It's not like it was a, it was a, um, an after the kick penalty, you know, like if we tap, like if we, late hit or something like that, right? A late, something like that is enforced from the end of the play, right? But since it was a, it was a procedural pre-kick penalty like that, they can choose to have that penalty enforced 
as a wee kick. So back the kick up five yards and have a wee kick. That's what Oklahoma decided. And they ended up returning that kick out to like the 35. So as only in those nine penalties for 90 yards that Kyle said, even though that only went down as one penalty for five yards, really it turned into a 20 yard penalty because that was the net um, Oklahoma got on that yards, And they were only able to do that because it was a, was a pre-kick penalty. And um, on the kicking team, they were able to do that. So, and that hurts. That's why you can't have stupid penalties. How do you line up offsides on a kickoff? Like, just make sure your foot's be- – you can't leave until the ball's kicked anyway. Just make sure your foot's behind the line. It ain't that hard. Yeah, that's the dump. those are the types of penalties you can't have, right? Those sneaky ones that cost you 20 yards, even though they really only – yeah, can't have those. those are I, think, I think it's the same thing as a wide receiver false starting for the Cyclones when the ball hadn't even been snapped yet. Yeah, that was also a dumb one. Wide receiver false starts are also dumb. A lot of dumb penalties. We'll clean them up for Texas Tech, hopefully. But there you go. Now you know why Oklahoma was able to take that as a wee kick instead of just having to take five yards from the end of their return, which was really bad. So there you go. Moving right along into our accountability session. Um, well, we had about seven predictions come off the board, about six to be exact. And um, what you're going to learn is there's a very, very, very bad week for Wyatt. Uh, you know, write that down prediction. This might be an, a historically bad week for the Wyatt. For Wyatt, um, and that's because he uh, is too much of a Cubs homer, as you'll learn. Uh, first three predictions to come off the board are all from Wyatt, all about the Cubs. In three straight weeks, he predicted that the Cubs would go to the NLCS, go to the World Series, and win the World Series. With the first round exit to the Marlins, we know that they will not do any of those three things. So he gets a all the naps for Wyatt on those three predictions. One one thing, if you are a person who likes to play sports bets, I would not take any advice on the Chicago Cubs from Wyatt. No, definitely don't do that. I would agree. <laughs> that would be a horrible mistake. <laughs> you, you'd lose a lot of money. Yeah, you would. Don't lose your money betting on the Cubs on Wyatt's advice. That's what we just learned. Um, other predictions come off the board. One from me that the NHL would run a complete postseason. postseason. They did do that successfully with the Tampa Bay Lightning ending up winning the Stanley Cup playoffs. Congratulations to the Lightning. Um, I get a ding, 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 because they were able to run a complete. Um, we had one more Cubs prediction from Wyatt that he made last week. He predicted they would not get swept by the Marlins. Um, that series did last three days. Unfortunately, one of those for Wyatt, one of those days was a rain out. Um, so they did still get swept. Um, so, nah. Nah, nah. That was um, supposed to be a joke. The Cubs were not supposed to get swept. No, that was supposed to be an easy, uh. easy win for you, but it was not. Uh, Marlins have never lost a playoff series. Top on the bandwagon. Um, and Josh predicted that the Brewers would beat the Dodgers, which they did not. They got swept. The games were closer than I thought they were going to be, but they still got swept. So, nah. Nah, nah. That is it for our accountability session. So, Kyle, do you want to um, put some predictions back up on the board for us quick? Yeah. So, my prediction this week, after a absolutely devastating week to my team with injuries to Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb, uh, is that my fantasy football team will score the second fewest points in the next four weeks 
mainly because the person scoring the fewest points doesn't set his lineup. <laughs> and it's not me. It's not me this year. Yeah, you actually won a game this week, Kyle. Yeah, you're welcome for me gift wrapping that for you practically. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate the present. Yeah. Um, so for the next four weeks. Yeah. Four weeks, you're going to score the lowest amount. Boy, I didn't have fantasy football pulled up on my list of tabs that I'd need for this podcast. So question, what if you scored the lowest in one of those four weeks? It's not right, um, right? Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to – I still have to score more points than Jacob because I play him one of the weeks is like my hope is that I still get a win Mm -hmm. in the next four weeks. Um, Let's see here. So this week you did score the second uh, least points. That's true. Um, Early, there's no projections out for week five yet. Boy, I don't know. Uh, Should we just toss him a double? Yeah, let's just – I don't just, know what to say. I don't either. Awesome double just because I have no idea. I feel like – wait, hold up. I feel like that's a triple. Why? Because I have to score the second fewest. If I score the fewest, it's already wrong. Uh, yeah, but what's the – you know, what's the difference between second and third and first and second? If I score if the third close, fewest, I also get it. I, I know, but what's the difference between the second fewest and the third fewest? We don't know. This, this week, the difference between second and third fewest is probably going to be very few, probably about three points. Okay. I, okay. I'd be okay with the triple then, I guess. Like, it's kind of a crapshoot, so right, we'll give you a triple. Sure. It's uh, only because I was specific. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um. I'm going to hop on that Miami Marlins bandwagon, and I'm going to predict that this year again, you will not lose a postseason series. The Marlins win the World Series. I said it. So, home. Uh, I mean, it's a 20 to 1. What does 538 chance. say? 538 says the Miami Marlins have a 1% chance of winning home the run. World Series. Home run. Okay, sure. Home run. Home run, yeah. Go Marlins. I'm rooting for the Marlins now. Clearly. They're my adopted team. Even before I made this prediction, they were my adopted team. So it's obviously Brocktober. I'm going to say that Brockport is going to have more than 350 total yards in at least two games this season. Happened a couple times last season. It's going to happen again. So that, that's a combined rushing passing yeah. total yards? Yep. In, not two games in October, just to clarify. No, yeah, two games in the season. Okay. Um, I think this has gotten – stifled a little bit due to Mm -hmm. Brees Hall's effectiveness so far this season. Yes, that's right. Um, But he'll probably do it against Texas Tech just because that's a high-scoring game. And Kansas. second one. Well, maybe. Like, come on. I mean, maybe. I'm thinking triple. That's also what I was thinking. But I don't think it's a home run. I I would tend to agree. Uh, We're going triple. Triple for that one. What do we got from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Actually, I know he's still alive. I talked to him yesterday. Yep. Yep. Josh is doing good. Um, yep. Josh is going to predict that despite um, missing his top two wide receivers, um, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention that in the NFL segment. Uh, Alan Lazard had core muscle surgery this last week and is out at least four weeks for the Packers. Um, tough break there for the former Cyclone, but hopefully he'll recover. Um, anyway, back to the predictions. Josh predicting that without Adams and Lazard, Aaron Rodgers will still have at least 275 yards passing tonight on Monday Night Football against the Falcons. Eh, I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to I, give it. A double, maybe? Yeah. 
I guess. I mean, That's... 275 ain't a lot for Rodgers. Double, no. I guess. And I mean, I think the odds are this is probably – I'd be – I if I was betting on this game, I'd be ham, hammering the over. So I think double. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think double. All right, we'll give we'll give Josh a double, and with all four right down predictions up on the board, we end the write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Episode one hundred of the Eighth Wheel Cast. That's one zero zero triple digits, baby. Signing off for the Eighth Wheel Cast. We have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Godwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll back to you next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!